0: Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you, God, because you're real, because you're here, because your presence is vivid, palpable, Lord, and we just want to say thank you for being, Lord, the kind of God that gives us everything we have, and so we want to say, Lord... You're worthy. You're worthy of all the praise. We want to say that we need you. We need you, God. Like our lungs need air to breathe, we need you. My God, we need you, God. Like fish need water to live, we need you, God. You are the source of everything we are. If we remove you from the equation of our lives, we have no sense of purpose. We have no reason for living. We are alive because you gave us the breath of life. So God, I love you. I adore you. I worship you. And Father God, now Lord, as we get ready to hear your word in our hearts, would you minister to us? Would you challenge us? Would you stretch us? I pray for every guest that's here this morning. That they don't get caught up in the message as it pertains to the giving element but that they may connect to why do I need to give my heart and why do I need to give my life and why do I need to give my soul so father God I pray that whenever they hear every guest here whenever you hear the word tithe replace that word with your heart whenever you hear the word resources replace that word with your heart because that's what today God wants you to give him he wants you to give him your heart your life And your soul. So, Father God, as I preach your word, would you use me just as an instrument and get all the glory and bless your church. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says amen. I'm going to recap. Today we're closing our series entitled The Harvest Life. And on week one, uh, we talked about the fact that everyone in this room is a seed. Everyone in this room is a seed. When God made Adam, the first instruction he told Adam was, be fruitful. And if he tells us to be fruitful, is because every one of us has a, has a seed in us. When God made Adam, he made Adam in seed form, seed form. And he spoke to the seed called Adam and Eve, and he told the seed, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. So from the very beginning of mankind, God has put in us the capacity to be a harvest. When God made Adam and Eve, he didn't make 6.7 billion Adams and Eves in one shot. When God made humanity, he made one man and one woman. 6,000 years later, there's over 8 billion people in the world. When God made man, he wasn't thinking of one man and one woman. He was thinking of eight billion people. But God didn't have to make eight billion people in Genesis chapter one because in Adam and Eve was the potential to have 8,000 people. So when God made Adam, he made a seed. But when God saw Adam, he didn't see a seed. When God saw Adam, he saw a forest. When God saw Adam, he didn't see a seed. When God saw Adam, he saw abundance of trees and abundance of fruit and abundance. And so he gives the command to the seed to multiply, to be fruitful, and to fill the earth. And so in light of that, everything we are and everything we have, God gives it to us so that we can do what God told Adam in Genesis. fruitful. Multiply and replenish everything God gives you. He expects you to be fruitful with it, He expects you to multiply it, He expects you to fill the earth with it, and so every time we give, we're become fruitful. Every time you and I give, we are multiplying. And it's crazy because God's mathematics is different from man's mathematics. You make, you have more when you receive more. That's math, man's mathematics. God's mathematics, the more you give, the more you get. The more you sow, the more you reap. And, and, and so we talked about week one, why giving is important. And we said We gave you five reasons why giving was important. Reason number one, giving is important because it makes me more like God. Everything we have, God gave us. So when I give, I look like the God who gave me everything I have. Reason number two, giving draws me closer to God. The more I give, the more closer I get in proximity to God. Reason number three, giving strengthens my faith. Because there's something about letting go that says, "God, I trust you." There's something about saying, "Lord, I could keep this for me and I could put this on my my own account." But there's something about giving this as God. I'm going to believe you're going to make a way. Why? Because every time we give, it strengthens our faith. Reason number four: Giving is an investment for eternity. Every time you sow. Into the the kingdom, every time you sow, into the ministry, every, every time you sow. In God's church, you are literally investing in your future. And Reason number five, giving reveals my spiritual maturity. And I said last Sunday, babies that are immature always want. Mine, mine, give me mine, give me mine, mine. When you mature, you give. When you're immature, you want it all. So when you understand the power of giving, it actually reveals your level of maturity. That was week one. Week two, we talked about several principles about giving. And we mentioned, based on Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through on, we talked about that everything we have belongs to the master. Everything we have belongs to God. Everything we have. Your job belongs to God. Your health belongs to God. Your children belong to God. Everything you have belongs to God. Giving principle number two, we said, we receive equal to our abilities and not equal to one another. Everybody, God, is going to give you whatever you can handle, whatever you can maneuver, whatever you can manage. And he's going to give it based to your abilities, not in comparison to another. And I'm glad God works like that with us so we don't have to compete. And God's going to give us what I need to become who God wants me to become. And giving principle number three we mentioned in form of a question, what am I doing with what I've been given? Because God is a God that will always hold us accountable to the things that he's given us. Always hold you accountable. And giving principle number four, which had to do with stewardship. I said stewardship management during the master's absence is quintessential because God is going to hold us accountable to everything he places in our hands. Today, there's a perfect scripture that I want to use to close the series. And it's found in the book of Philippians chapter number 4. Now, let me let me let me give you some 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 back, background on this letter before we read the scripture. The letter to the Philippians was written to a church in Philippi, which the Apostle Paul was the one that founded it. Like three years ago, we started New Birth. And so the Apostle Paul, in one of his missionary trips, he goes to Philippi and he plants a church. The church was excited, it was growing. There was a revival going on. This, this is 50, after, 50 A.D. After the resurrection of Christ, the the, the church is in revival. There's a great thing going on. But while Paul is pastoring the church, starting the church, he goes on other on other missionary trips. Throughout the missionary trips, um, the church who was supporting him. In other words, Paul says, "Okay, guys, the church is running good. Everything's on point. God has called me to do another work. The church says, Pastor, we got you, we're going to support you, we're going to pray for you, we're going to bless you, we're going to invest in you financially, go do your thing, we got you, we're going to pray and invest. We're going to pray, and Paul leaves the church because they had a, he had a church that said, we got you back. Well, here's what happened. The first couple of years, they were supporting the apostle Paul. But for some kind of reason or another, they stopped giving. And Paul had not received one single penny from the church at Philippi. For 10 years. Nothing. I'm talking about absolutely nothing. And now. It is in that context. That Paul. 10 years later. When he receives the first offering. 10 years later. He writes his letter to the church. So he's writing. To the church. Because the church. Gave to the apostle Paul. So this is like a. Thank you letter if you will. But at the same time, it shows us what God does in the midst of you understanding who God is in spite of what you have and what you don't have. So on the on the one hand, he is writing a thank you letter to the church saying, hey, you guys finally, hey, I'm from the hood. You guys finally manned up and started giving thank you. May the Lord bless you. But let me tell you what God did those 10 years. You didn't help me. Let me tell you what God was doing. So that's, that's the undergird of the, God, of the letter of Philippians. And he says, verse 10, chapter 4, Philippians. He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last, that's insulting, borderline that at last you renewed your concern for me. Instead, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. What is he saying? I know y'all wanted to help me, but you couldn't do it. Because you had many reasons why you said we can't give to the apostle Paul today. Bills is too high. Rent is too much money. They just increased my rent. It's not that I don't want to give, Paul. God knows my circumstances. So Paul is saying, Paul is saying, Verse 10, he's saying, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Verse 11, I am not saying this because I am in need. Look at this. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Listen to me. There are things that you receive just by accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And these things come to you by default. I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Here's what he does. By faith or through faith, he saves me. He redeems me. That means he pays the price that that I owed to God because of my sin. And he pays me out. He sanctifies me. Right? Right? He adopts me. I'm now a child of God. Now are ye the sons of God, and the sons of God heirs and co-heirs of Christ. He adopts me, right? He does all that. He does all that, and I have nothing to do with that. I just got to believe in Jesus Christ and accept him as the Lord and Savior. I don't have to learn justification. It just happens. I don't have to learn sanctification. It just happens. I don't have to learn adoption. It just happens. But Paul is saying, now that he's saved, he says, there's some things I didn't have to learn. But here's what I needed to learn. I needed to learn to be happy. I needed to learn to be content. Because let me tell you, being saved is not the equivalent of being happy. Being, ha- being saved is not the equivalent of being full of joy. Because c- Can I be honest with you? There are some days in life that you don't want to smile, even with Jesus in your heart. But joy, isn't that something you get just because you're a Christian? Paul says, you have to learn to be content. You have to learn to be happy. He says, I have learned to be content whatever their circumstance. Verse 12, I know what it is. And look what he says. Here's how he knows how, here's how he learned to be happy and content. Because it is, he says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, whether well fed, come on, golden corral, or hungry, come on, crystals, yeah, I don't know about this, okay. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then it is in that context that he says this famous scripture that says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And then he says, Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintances with me and the gospel, when I sent out to Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalon- Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that the more, is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And then he concludes and says, and my God will meet your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus to our God and father be glory forever and ever. And everybody says Wow. To be at the place of the Apostle Paul is where I pray God takes us as a church. To be at a place of contentment regardless of the situation. And I start off by saying that there are people in this room who are living in mountaintop experiences. And then there are those that are living in valley-like experiences. There are people right now in this room, Paul says, I know what it is to be in the mountain, and I know what it is to be in the valley. You can't be at both places at the same time. You're either at a valley or you're in a mountain. There are people right now, right now, in this very room, in this very moment, at the apex of their pinnacle of success or at the valley of their situation that they're going through. But you're in one of those. Now, here's a blessing. Here's what God wants to take us. Because valleys and mountains is, is a matter of perspective. It's a matter of perspective. Right? Florida is one of the most flattest states In the U.S., right? And I heard in the first service that the highest point of Florida is Claremont. That's the highest part of Florida. We don't have mountains in Florida. The highest peak is in Claremont somewhere. I don't know where, right? Because Florida's flat. Florida's flat. The highest place in Florida may may be Claremont, right? But if you go to the highest place in Florida, Claremont, you're not going to get nosebleed. Your ears ain't going to pop. Right? Now, I went a few years ago, I went to Phoenix, Arizona with my wife and some members of the church. Went to a conference. And the goal was, the goal was, we wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. I wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. One of the wonders of the world says, okay, so the team, after we went to the conference, let's go to the Grand Canyon. And and, and the Grand Canyon is a very elevated place. It's very high in elevation. So, So as we're driving in the van to go to the Grand Canyon, although I wanted to go to the mountaintop of the Grand Canyon, I was unable to do so because of my wife. And the reason was because my wife has a problem with elevation, and we didn't know about it. So here we are in a car, driving upward towards the Grand Canyon, and while we're driving up, my wife is experiencing some symptoms. Her blood pressure went up. Luckily for us, Pastor Esther is one of our pastors. She's a nurse by my profession. So she started seeing these signs in my wife, and Immediately she said something is wrong with Petri. She can't go up, can't Grand Canyon because if you go up the Grand Canyon, she's just my pop. So, 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 we were never. I was. Not, I never made it to the canyon. So when people ask me, Pastor, have you been to the Grand Canyon? I said, Yeah. I look at Petri. Petri's my Grand Canyon. <laughs> I wasn't able to go. So, so you know, so the best thing I could do is I connect Grand Canyon to my wife. When I think Grand Canyon, I think blood pressure. I think ambulance. I think, you know. And so the house, the, you know, we had a call 911. The ambulance came. They, it was a whole drama because we weren't able to go to the mountain. Now, I say that to say this. There are people right now that are living in their highest peak, and there are people right now that are living in their lowest peak, but this is all a matter of perspective. Because right now, the Grand Canyon was, to me, was one of the highest places to go to. Right? But if I am a Peruvian from Peru, Peru Peru is one of the highest places in elevation in the world. And I could be at the Grand Canyon or I can be at the highest point of Florida, which is Clermont. And a Peruvian can be in the lowest part of Peru in a valley somewhere. But his valley will always be higher than my mountain in Clermont. Where the Lord wants to take us as a church is that you can be in your valley, but still be high enough. To help those that are going through hell while you yourself are going through your valley. That's where God wants to take us. The Apostle Paul, it don't don't go no lower than being in prison when he writes his letter. It don't go no lower than serving under the regimen of Nero, the emperor of his time. It don't go no lower than being a slave, than being incarcerated, unable to do whatever he wants. He's at his lowest, but even at his lowest, he's high enough to encourage a church who is not in jail. He is telling the church that's free. I can do all things to Christ me. He is telling the, a church that's free, rejoice, and again I say, rejoice. He is telling the church that's, that's free, a man in prison is saying, be happy church. And that's what God wants to take us. He wants to take you to a place that when you're at your lowest, you're high enough to help other people. That's what Paul is doing when he writes his letter. He's writing a letter to free people when he himself is in jail. He is writing a letter of hope, while people who are free have lost hope. The Philippian Christians had learned through the Apostle Paul's life; they learned, they learned the joy of liberal financing, financial giving, for ten years. I can't do it. You understand? You understand? If I tell you my situation, if I tell you how tough life is, I tell you. you know what, for ten years? You are not supporting your pastor? And when, they, and when the first offering comes to comes to the Apostle Paul, Paul says, I got to write, I got to write, I got to write. Not not because they brought me the money, but because they just realized the secret and the blessing and the power that it is. That when you give from what you have, you're opening a door for God to give you more. They caught it, they caught it. I need to write to them right now. So the Apostle Paul, Paul is rejoicing not because he got an offering, he's rejoicing because they understood the power of giving. I gave you this dollar. Not because I want you to bring me two back. Here, Pastor, that two dollars, leave me alone. No, that's not the spirit. We gave you this dollar so you could get it. So it could click in your head. So you can understand that the the the, the beneficiary of you giving is not God, it's not me, it's you. you and they caught it they caught it and the church in Philippi had taken up an offering when they caught us and listen we could have a thousand reasons why we can't give but here's what we're going to do we're going to do away with the excuses and we're going to give an offering to the apostle Paul who by the way is in prison you can't buy nothing in prison you can't go shopping in prison But here's what they were saying, we're going to invest in the man of God, even though we know he can't do nothing with it, because this has nothing to do with him, it has everything to do with the heart of me and how I give. Some people have a problem giving because in their mind they're thinking, oh, because he's gonna spend it and they're gonna spend it and they're gonna buy this and one more light. Why we don't need no more lights? Listen, the blessing of giving has nothing to do with the person that gets it, it has to do with the person that's giving. And until you don't get that, until you don't get that, you will always find a million reasons why not to give. Until you don't get that, you're gonna always find a million. But you know, back in the days, that's how no, no. But when you understand that there's a door that opens, there's a miracle that happens. Imagine if the people that gave to start this church didn't give three years ago. Imagine if Pastor Gracia didn't give us the $200,000 he gave us. Imagine if Mariano Rivera, former Yankee player, didn't give me the $80,000 he gave me to buy the property we have. Imagine if Pastor Choco didn't give us the five dollars $6,000 they gave us to start the church. Imagine. Now, when they gave it, they weren't giving it with an attitude. When they gave it, eh, 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 I want two point seven interest, and how are you gonna bless me back? No, they gave it with joy because they knew that something about giving opens doors. So today we have a hope center that costs two hundred and eighty thousand dollars. We got it because three people decided to give with joy. But you gotta get this, y'all. It's got, it's got, it's got to sink in, and we need to grow. This enemy church, we need to grow in this area of giving. We want to grow in faith and power and anointing, grow in giving. Because before God gave his spirit in Acts chapter 2, he gave you a seed in Genesis chapter 1. And he's telling you, make it work. So I ask you, have you discovered the joy of giving? Are you giving because you give me like paying a bill? You take an offering, you're paying a bill. I told you last Sunday, when you give an offering, you're not tipping me. You're not tipping the church. This is not a tip. This This is understanding that God, the creator of the universe, has entrusted me with a resource that I can use a part of it to the kingdom of God. And then he says, and you keep the rest. And with the rest, I promise, I will bless you. Have you discovered the joy of giving? Perhaps too many of us view giving as an occasion for grief or dread rather than an occasion for joy. You know that I've heard that people like to give more out of grief? Oh, my God, indeed. Oh, hip up here. Toma. Right? If, if I come in a, and, and, you know, if somebody presents a pity party, everybody want to give to grief. Aw. Uh, are you serious? I indeed. Come here, boo-boo. Toma, 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 toma. No. You know what the Bible says? That when we give, we should not give with sadness in our heart. But the Bible says we have to give with joy. Why? Because God blesses the cheerful giver. I'm not giving with pit out of pity. I'm not giving. Oh my God, they need. They need me. Uh, if, I, if I don't give, the church is going to collapse. No. When you understand that you give not because there's a grief involved in it, but because you're just a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver. When listen, listen, listen. My wife knows, and my kids know. I don't like to receive gifts on Christmas. I like to receive gifts. I like to receive gifts the 364 days before Christmas, but not Christmas Day, because Christmas is my day to give. I like to see the expressions of the giving and the expression of taking and giving and giving. And to me, I get a kick out of giving. I get a kick out of giving. I get a kick out of giving. I get happy when I give. I get happy when God gives me an opportunity to sow into others. But some of us, some of us, some of us, we got to grow in that area. Paul is saying to the church, after 10 years, you were trying to be stingy and couldn't, and, and had a million and one excuses and went out to give, but y'all finally got it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a letter, which I didn't know was going to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, but thousands of years later at a church in Kissimmee, somebody's going to speak about a church that perhaps. We didn't know who gave, but we knew that a church gave. Listen, when you give in the kingdom of God, your giving can go farther than you and I. I In what ways can giving make you a joyful person? In what ways can giving make us a joyful person? We have hope groups throughout the city. And if you're not part of a hope group, we pray you sign up today. But we have hope groups throughout the city. And uh, one of our hope groups is uh, we do it different places, houses, Uh, even the youth. Now they started the hope groups. And and there's a hope group that meets in um, Dunkin' Donuts at Osceola every Friday. It's the girls' hope group. And they meet every Friday. And we was at a meeting on Monday, staff meeting. And in the staff meeting, they were saying, Pastor, you know, um, um, at our hope group, the manager, the manager of Dunkin' Donuts, Allowed the girls to go into this Dunkin' Donuts, and they're doing their hope groups there. And 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 what was amazing to us was Pastor that when we went there, um, she tells us, "Hey, you guys are more than welcome to come. And by the way, when you guys come, we're gonna give you a free coffee, and we're gonna give you guys free donuts. And and you know, young people, donuts and coffee. <laughs> so so they, 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 you know, nobody misses that hope group. Nobody." And so, and so in a meeting on Monday, they were saying, Pastor, there's this, this is manager there that, that, and by the way, she's not a Christian. She don't speak in tongues. She's not spiritual. She's just a person to understand the power of being nice and giving. She understood it. And, and, so, and so every time our girls go out there, she always allows them to have free coffee and free donuts. And when I heard that, the Holy Spirit said, this is what you're going to do. And here's what we did. Here's what we did. Here's what we did this past Friday at Dunkin' Donuts. Look at the screens you ever talk about, you ever talk about We are currently at the Dunkin' Donuts that my Hope group attends every Friday night. Uh, we are here to thank Elizabeth for everything that she has done for us. I don't know if she knows how much of a blessing she's been, so we just want to show our appreciation to her, uh, we want to thank her, we want to show her that we love her uh, for everything that she has done for us. They come here every week? Yes, they do, every Friday and sometimes Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Although I have never come but I've been hearing how the service towards them and allowing them to come here and I love that they do so good with church and they keep connected. That's awesome. Thankful that you've taking out in time to serve them. so at our church, we're actually in the middle of a sermon series. It's called the Harvest Life. And it's our way of saying, God blesses us to bless others. You guys can and so what we want to do is elizabeth we want to bless you just for being a blessing to us oh so, thank you uh, on behalf of the church i want to give you a little a little tip and it's not much but i hope it'll help you And it's holidays and the season thank we have in new year. i want to give you thank you, you. <laughs> that, are be awesome oh my goodness Four, you Oh my goodness. may God bless you. We want to say thank you what? for serving our people, nice. and we pray that this can be a seed from our part to you and to the team. Of oh my awesome. God! <laughs> Love you. you. Have a great service, you? <laughs> Thank you. I'm really moved by this gesture. I think, like you know, I get goosebumps. I'm so like you know, when me. especially like when uh, our guests come and acknowledge. Uh, our teams, who really work hard. We all are human beings, we make mistakes, but the very fact that we come here is acknowledge and acknowledge, appreciate that. I want to say thank you for the flowers and for you guys for coming here, and for doing the things you do for the community, and that's why I appreciate you guys. Come on, put those hands together. When you understand the power of giving, you don't keep it to yourself. She was blessed by a church. She received a $100 yesterday Friday just for giving free donuts and free coffee. Now she didn't do it expecting nothing in return. She had no idea that while she was being generous in giving, God was going to touch a church to bless her with an offering. You'd be surprised how God has people holding on hold because of your stinginess you'd be surprised how many people gotta say no not yet because he hasn't learned to be content he hasn't learned it no 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 stay right there you'd be surprised that you, you you're trying to find a way to make it I gotta get another job. Maybe this is gonna help me. Okay, mm. and, and okay, it didn't work. Let me, let, me, let me go pursue a career, and I'm gonna start this career. That didn't work, and I'm gonna start this business. That, that, that didn't work. Let me go back to school, and you're doing all that. Why don't you just start being faithful to God with what He's given you, and watch God do more with what you have? It starts. It starts with understanding that everything you have comes from the Lord. Here's what's crazy. We didn't plan it, it just happened. That gentleman that that we recorded, he's the owner of Dunkin' Donuts. Doesn't come, happened to show up that day. Here's another thing. A representative from the corporate office from Dunkin' Donuts was there by the name of Stacy, and she showed up. And they saw this. They saw this, and they were so overwhelmed to see how their manager created an environment to people and made them feel so blessed that now those people come and give a seed we, we say C, we say but they say a tip. And gave them a tip. I promise you that manager is getting a promotion in her job. I promise you it's going to happen. And, but you know what's the greatest thing of it all? She said, she said, she said to the team, and she the Pastor, um, we want to I want to visit your church. Let me get the address. And soon she's going to come to our church. Elizabeth is her name. She's going to come, and we're going to welcome her. So here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. This girl gave, and God multiplied. Last week, I gave you all a dollar. And today, your goal and my goal is to bring that dollar multiplied. Some of y'all might have multiplied a dollar, turned it into one, and you're bringing $2. Some of y'all took that dollar and you multiplied it into five. You're bringing $5. Some of us multiplied it into 20, and we're bringing $20. Some of us, again, according to your capacity of giving. Some of y'all took that dollar, pastor, I'm going to multiply it to 100, and you're going to bring it. Some of y'all, you're going to multiply it and and and, 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 and give us your, your 401k. Don't, don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Right? But whatever you're going to give, you're going to give according to your capacity to give. So here's what I want to do. I'm not finished preaching, so the sermon isn't even over yet. Here's what I want to do. In the middle of the sermon, in the middle of the preaching, I want those of you that have your envelopes near you, grab the envelope right now. Grab the envelope in your hand. And we're going to bring this envelope in Jesus' name to the altar and submit it to the Lord as an act of gratefulness and contentment because we've learned to be happy with what God has given us. If that's you and you have your envelope, which by the way, by the, if you took an envelope last Sunday and you don't bring it back, you're a thief. So if I don't see all of y'all coming up to the altar, that means y'all stole God's money. So come and bring your dollar back and bring and it multiplied in Jesus' name. Everybody get up. And bring your dollar. Let's go. Here we go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. In Jesus' name. Don't you stay with that dollar. That dollar is somebody's tithe. Somebody tithe that dollar. Now, why is this important, church? Because giving makes you look more like God. Why is this important, church? Because giving draws you closer to God. Why is this important, church? Because giving strengthens your faith. Why is this important, church? Because giving is an investment for eternity. And because giving reveals your spiritual maturity. So I bless you in Jesus' name as you bring that dollar. Perhaps a dollar is nothing to the common eye. But to your obedience and your heart and your disposition, you just opened the floodgates of heaven. Because you've learned, you've learned. You've learned that even in your lowest valley, you can be high enough to sow in God's kingdom. And God gets the glory. I'm going to wait for everybody to come with their their dollar. If you were not here last Sunday and you want to be a part of this experience, bring an offering. This is not tithing offering. Bring a, bring a multiplied dollar. If you're here, Pastor, you know what? I missed the service, but here's what I want to do. I want to take a dollar and multiply it with two and bring it in Jesus' name. That's you. Come in Jesus' name. Because it's not about the money. It's about the concept of understanding the power in giving. Now, here's what I want to do. I want you all to give yourselves a hand praise for bringing back that dollar multiplied. Give yourself a hand praise. Come on. Thank you, ushers. Thank you, team. Now, in the 15 minutes I got left, I want to talk about, based on Philippians chapter 4, I want to talk about the effects of giving from a harvest life. Based on the scripture, verse 10 shows us that giving revives our concern. When you give, it revives your concern for others. Paul said, you guys hadn't given for 10 years But now that you've given me, what you're telling me is you're concerned for other people instead of yourselves. What he's saying is, you're no longer thinking about me, 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 me. You now said, in spite of the needs that I have, and that's how he closes. He closes out saying that the Lord may supply all of your needs according to his will and glory. He says, in spite of all that you could, in spite of all the reasons you have, why not to give the fact that you have made it your your, your business to be concerned over me? That's worthy to be acknowledged. He says you have renewed your concern for me. And 10, listen to me. The word renew in this verse pictures something as it pertains from being dead, from being alive. Think about when trees dry out in the winter. They're dry, they don't produce fruit. And they have to wait for the spring when the sun comes again and the rain comes again and the dew comes again. And that tree that was dried up for the entire season of the winter, once the spring comes back, it begins to flourish again. He says, this is what you have done. When you gave again after 10 years, you have revived us. You have become a living tree that's going to bear fruit. Let me tell you, when you don't give, you cut the fruit of your tree. When you don't give, you cut the growth of your, fa- your finances. When you don't give, I heard somebody say, Pastor, I said, I, I can't afford to tithe. And I tell them all the time, I can't afford not to tithe. I can't afford it. I can't afford not to put God in my finances because it will go wrong for me. Giving revives our concern. In verse 11, we see that giving teaches us contentment. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. When we give, we grow. When we give, we give with joy, because there's an element of growing and learning. The effects of giving from a har- har- harvest life. Number three, verse 14 explains to us that giving makes us partners in ministry, Look how he says in verse 14, he says, yet it was good of you to share my troubles. What is he saying? Just because you gave, you became a part of me. Just because you gave, just by giving, you became a co-laborer and a co-worker with me. Every time we give to the work of the Lord, what we're saying is, I'm a part of this. Every time we we give to the Lord, what we're saying is, Lord, I am your partner in this business. Lord, you are the CFO and I am the COO. And together we're going to do this in Jesus' name. Verse 17 and 18 tells us, point number four, that giving pays spiritual dividends. Look what he says. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you've sent, they are fragrant offering. Look how he says, every time you give, this is how God sees your giving. He sees it as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing unto God. He didn't say and Maria gave me $20 and Pepito gave me two bucks and this okay. She could have given me a dollar, but she gave me 25 cents. No, no, no. He said, every time you give, according to your measure, here's how I smell it. I smell it as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice that is pleasing unto God. We're talking about the effects of giving from a harvest life. And last, verse 19 shows us that giving grows our faith. And he wraps up saying, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. God will meet your need personally. That's why he says, my God. Notice how when he mentions God, it's a personal thing. Because there's something about trusting God with your resources That you can take ownership on the God that allows you to give because of what He has provided for you. He says, And my God, He calls me my needs personally. Look what He says. All of your needs, now He meets our needs liberally. And then He says, according to His glories and riches and glory, He meets our needs gloriously. But it all starts with me, it all starts with the heart. So as we continue to give to God's work, as we continue to give, let us give with the knowledge and the understanding of the revelation of why we're giving. There's a story in the Bible about a woman who gave one coin. And Pharisees were giving insurmountable amount of dollars and money. But the Bible says that when Jesus saw the woman's offering, he was amazed by her offering. And it was just one coin. It was one penny. It it didn't have much value. But what made it valuable wasn't the value of the coin. What made it valuable was that that was the only thing she had. And God said, I've never seen such greater faith in my life. I've never seen such greater faith, and and and, and he's, he's saying that in the midst of Pharisees and scribes and, and 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 Pharisees and Sadducees and everybody that can give and and all those guys. But when he saw this girl, this lady with her only coin, and she put it to the foot of the Lord, here's what's crazy. Jesus said, "I've never seen greater faith," but he never collected her an offering. If I'd have been Jesus, oh what? Time out. Everybody, going No, he didn't do that. She left broke. But was she really broke? Was she broke? No. Ah, I've been like preaching right now, but I'll take it easy. No, she wasn't broke. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that a good name is more worth than riches and gold. Read the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs says that a good name. Is more more richer than riches and gold. You know what he did by mentioning and honoring this woman? He made her famous. He gave her credibility. And even though he didn't give her a dollar. He gave her prestige. And God took that and made her. Who are we talking about today? A woman who only gave a dollar. And 4,000 years, 2,000 years later. We're still talking about a woman. Who all she gave was one single penny. So it's not. How much you give is when you understand the power of giving. And and, and listen, it would be a the service for my part to teach you holiness, to teach you sanctification, to teach you the power of tongues, and to teach you eschatological terms, and to teach you theology, and to teach you, and to teach you pneumatology, and to teach you, you know, all that, and not teach you finances. Because many of the people's struggles in the church have nothing to do with their faith. It has to do with your pockets. But God says, trust me. Malachi 3.10. He says, trust me. You trust the thoughts, You trust your job. You trust 401k. You, tr- you trust 4.2b. You trust 4.5c. You trust." He says, trust me. Trust me. That I will open up the windows of heaven. Trust me make me first get it you got to get it church you got to get it you got to get it listen listen when you when you get it when you get it money is not your master when you get it money becomes your servant money was never designed to enslave us money was designed for God to use money as our servants for his kingdom when god told me Gabby to pastor of church and start new birth 3 years ago Money tried to take over me. I'll tell you, I promise you. Oh. Oh, God, we prayed. And I'm riding bike. Yeah, I ride bike. I'm riding bike. And I hear one word from the Lord. And the Lord told me, Gabby, sacrifice. Sacrifice. And I knew what he was telling me. And I, and I rode the bike and I came home. And I said, babe, God told me something. He told me he wants me to sacrifice. And we got cold feet. And we felt shivers in our backs because we knew what God was telling us. God was telling us leave it, leave it, leave it. Listen, man, I was blessed. And I, I'm blessed today, don't get it twisted. But I was blessed. I was making great, great money. We had a church that believed in our family's ministry, and they invested in us, and they sold in us, and they blessed us, and we were blessed, and we were living life. Oh, my God, we were great. And God said, sacrifice. Give it all up. And we're like, okay, but how am I going to pay my rent? And how how am I going to pay light? And I got three kids. And, and, and how, 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 how? But God said sacrifice. And so we sacrifice. And I remember, I remember when we said to our former pastor, God is calling us to sacrifice. We knew what that implied. Everything was going to be cut. No more paycheck, no more nothing, no more nothing, insurance, medical, nothing. Nothing. And we said, okay, let me tell you what God did. Not having money to pay my rent, God touched a millionaire friend of mine and paid my rent for a year. Every month, my $2,000 was paid. Every leadership that was there, raise your hands. Remember that? Remember that? He said, you know what, Pastor? I believe what God is calling you to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay your rent. He wanted to buy my house. He wanted to pay all my house. He said, I'm going to pay off your house. I'm going to pay cash. When you don't sacrifice, you'll never see God move in your life. When you think that what you have is yours, you are always going to be stuck with where you're at. But when you let it go, you're saying, God, I'm making myself available for you to do what only you can do. And you know what he did? I said, no, no, I said, no, 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 no. Don't, don't buy off the, Don't buy my house out. If, you, if you're going to give me all that kind of money, give me $200,000 so I can buy the Hope Center. And he gave me $200,000. And we bought the whole center. And he said, on top of the $200,000, I'm going to pay your house, your mortgage for a year. And every first of the month, in my bank account, you just receive $2,000 to the glory of God. And my mortgage is paid every month. And you know what's crazy? 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 I got to get a job now. I got to apply for a job because I don't have a job. Your pastor had no job. And I applied for a job, and of all the jobs I could apply for, I applied for a Christian school as a campus pastor. And I told her, listen, I can't work five days a week because I just started a church plan. I could only work two days a week. She said, okay. And you know what happened in the interview? In the interview, can I tell you about G.J.? You know what happened in the interview? In the interview, she says, pastor. I just bought a property with 18 acres of land, and the property comes with a Catholic church. The Catholic people are leaving. I'm not a pastor. Do you want the church? She gave me the church, and that's what we have the Poinciana campus right now, to the glory of God. Because I said, I'm willing to sacrifice. You will never see God work in your life if you keep it for yourselves. You got to learn this. From that day, my team, the leadership that we started, the 36 of us that started, we just saw God work miracles and miracles. And every day was a miracle. And then God was just bringing and bringing and bringing and bringing. And it was just an avalanche of God's favor. So now that I'm here three years later preaching to you all, I want you new folk to get this. Don't get it twisted. Involve God in your resources too. Involve God in your finances too. And it ain't because we want to get rich. No. The devil is a liar. Because we want you to get it. We want you to walk in the fullness of the abundance of God's providence and God's favor and God's grace over you. But it starts with understanding. Understanding. So for those of you that are here for the first time, friends, I've been talking about finances and giving and tithe. But now I'm going to contextualize that to your reality. Because God wants you to give, but he don't want you to give money. He wants you to give your heart. He wants you to give your heart, your soul, and your life. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, if you want to give Jesus your tithe, because your heart is your tithe. Your heart is your offering. And God is saying, give me that. And I can take that broken, hurting heart, and I can make a forest out of it. I can take that broken, hurting experience, and I can turn it around and give you joy and give you happiness. And you might still be in the same financial run, but there's something about learning to be happy regardless of your circumstance. Let me in, and I can show you that. But it starts with you saying, I need a Savior. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about new birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.